Hi, this is Godshots, and I'm welcoming my co-host, Darlene Sperlaza. Hi, Darlene. How are you? Are you staying warm? I am. I am. I just was saying I got my boots on. We've had nothing but lots and lots of snow here and ice, and um, it's sunny today, first time, and 20 degrees. Woohoo! Oh, wow. We're, we're complaining because it's 70 right now, or it's 60, 68, and well, I'm complaining. Sunshine. Yeah, seeing sunshine here in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area is the first time in about a week, so it's a beautiful sight to see some sunshine, even though it is cold. Well, you've um, had to shovel a lot of snow, haven't you? Oh, every day. Since every day since like Christmas Eve. This has been a record-breaking snowfall year for us here, and um, I'm certainly ready for sunshine, I can tell you sunshine in springtime. A lot of my relatives live in Texas and they had to, their pipes froze and they all moved to one of the cousins house. And then I read the news that a little 11 year old boy died of, oh. of um, hypothermia in his mobile home covered with blankets and next to his little three year old stepbrother and I couldn't stop crying. And I've been in deep prayer for two days over this. It's that, just unbelievable, unbelievable. Texas is, Texas is being hit hard and they don't have the, the equipment. I mean, they're not used to that kind of weather. So this has been a real shock to their systems. And yeah. um, yes, we've all been praying for Dallas and Houston and all the victims in Texas that are going through this because I have relatives down there too and pipes are breaking everywhere and there's no plows for the roads. And so very oh, that's weird. Yeah, yeah, so. Because even in Scandinavia and Antarctica, they have windmill, they have weatherized, um, all kinds of energy and you can keep fire hydrants with the right sodium solution so they don't have freeze up. Mm -hmm. So sad, I mean, they should have, should have known this. But anyway, all we can do is hold good thoughts for them and just pray that no more deaths happen. Apparently a family was went into their garage and sat in their car and left the motor on and they all fell asleep. Oh. They get warm and they're gone. Carbon monoxide, yes. Well, you know, that kind of brings us into the topic of what we're going to talk about today in God Shots, which is everyday God Shots. Yeah. And, you know, when we're going through these tragic moments or chaotic moments, if you will, if we can slow down enough to pay attention, there's always God Shots mm -hmm. in the mix. Right. And um, I know that's easier said than done. But as I was preparing for this particular podcast, I was looking back through all of the God shots over the years to see maybe people don't recognize them because they're so intertwined in what the activities that are going on at the moment. They miss the nuances that God puts right in front of them. And here's an example for me of an everyday God shot. Um, this happened about eight years ago. And my son was getting married in May. He was getting married on May the 19th. And my sister-in-law was dying from cancer at that point in time. And she, the one, there was two things she wanted to do. She wanted to go to my son's wedding and she wanted to go to her brother's graduation. And she accomplished both of those tasks. But in the meantime, I think that sometimes when people get a cancer diagnosis and they're living with the fear and the uncertainty and the confusion and the new, the new arrangements, the new life changes when you get that diagnosis, extremely. And my brother was having a hard time accepting it. 
he wouldn't go to the doctors with her. He wouldn't talk about it. He just wanted her to get better. And he was working, working, working to provide the money to pay for all the stuff that was going on. And he needed to hear from the doctor what was happening. So here was the God shot, which when I look back on it and I see it, I'm like, this is just an everyday God shot. So I had been in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina to buy my dress to wear to my son's wedding. And when I was down there, it needed altered and they have a wonderful seamstress. And she just said, I'll alter that and I'll send it to your house. I said, that's beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. So I get this dress delivered to my house and I put it on. <laughs> Lydia, it couldn't have been more jacked up. I mean, it was too tight in places. It was too short on one side. It was a mess, right? And here I am two and a half weeks out from this wedding and this dress is just a total mess. So I tried it on like three different times. It looked the same. My husband was looking at it. He's pulling on it. He's looking, he's like, I don't know. He goes, but this is what he said to me. We'll drive back to Myrtle Beach. We'll leave on Friday, drive all night long, call them, have them meet you on Saturday and see what she can do to fix this, right? That's a 12 hour drive. But for me to do that, I had to miss my sister-in-law's doctor's appointment. So my brother was going to have to go in my place because there was no choice. I wasn't gonna be home. I get to Myrtle Beach, drive all night long, walk into that shop, put the dress on in the dressing room and walk out onto the big platform with all the mirrors. And the dress was absolutely perfect. There was not one thing wrong with it, not one. And everybody in the store is going, oh, it's beautiful, you look lovely. And I'm standing there with my mouth going, like, I wouldn't have driven 12 hours all night long if this dress looked like this, right? Well, in the meantime, when I'm down there and this is happening, my brother's in the doctor's office with her and the doctor's explaining that she's at the end of the journey and that she has limited time and he needed her and my brother to be together to talk to them. And God, I realize now, moved me right out of the way with that dress so he could have my brother and Michelle in that office together, right? Mm -hmm. And that I look at as an everyday God shot. I was just doing my everyday life. Mm -hmm. And no matter what I did with that dress, it just wasn't right until I got in front of those mirrors after 12 hours of drive. <laughs> and then it was perfect. And so, mm -hmm. so I think that talking about everyday God shots, and I know we have them, I know you have them. And so I just thought that may be nice to talk about so people can recognize it's not coincidence. It's nothing to be angry about when something, when something steps into the path to halt you or to yeah. turn you a different direction. It's not to mess up your life. No. It's not to destroy you. It's to help you. And it's exactly. to help other people, right? There's a great quote in the program I heard. Paul, it says, rejection is protection. So when you get rejected by a a boyfriend or a lover. I had that happen to me. I was dumped horribly and I grieved. And if only I'd let go sooner, I would have seen that the gift was waiting for me on the other side. Something so much better. But um, I was too, you know, consumed with my own self-pity. Self-pity is the only medication I'm still on. Um, actually, the line goes, the only medication I'm still on is self-pity. Um, but you're right. Everyday God shots. It's those little, as long as you are aligned with the divine spirit, which means aligned with good, good orderly direction. And you are, you're not 
deliberately choosing the selfish, ego-centered lie. You're not deliberately lying to people. And if you are, you're, it's, it's a self-protective, we're, we're redeemable at every moment. We're, every single moment we can start our day over. But you're right, these beautiful little things come up and they lead us to the right path. Well, you didn't take that turn. It turned out to be a gift. So tell me some more that you have. You have a, a lot of these on your website. I do, I do. Another, 360. Another one that sticks out to me um, really a lot is, um, and once again, this involves my son. That's interesting. But his birthday is actually on May 16th. Mm -hmm. And so this particular year, and I don't remember the actual year. It's just been maybe four or five years ago. Um, my daughter-in-law had called and said, I'm going because his birthday was in the middle of the week. It was like on a Tuesday. And she goes, I'm going to have his party on the weekend for his birthday. So because everybody's busy working. And I said, oh, that's great. You know, so I didn't get him a gift. I didn't do anything for his actual birthday birthday. And I get a phone call at like nine o'clock that morning. And she goes, oh, I've changed my plans. I'm going to have cake and ice cream for him today. And um, I said, I'm sitting there and I've got a full plate. I mean, I have meetings scheduled for work. I have no gift. I can't get to the mall. I got all this stuff. And, you know, like I hang up the phone and I'm like, oh, for heaven's sakes, you know, like you just get a little bit like, you know, like it's supposed to be this way. <laughs> and so now I'm calling my boss. I'm calling people. I'm changing schedules around so I can get to the store so I can get him a gift so I can be over there by five o'clock when she has this plan, right? Lydia, the whole entire day, I was like pretty jacked up about that. I was just like, this is really put, it was all about me. You know, like that whole saying that Joyce Myers goes, what about me? What about me? What about me? And it was just like, you know, you're ruining my plans. I have to change things, but okay, I'll be there. So I go over to this party at five o'clock and I make it with gift in hand and I'm all happy to be there. And um, I'm getting ready to leave. And it was probably like 6.30 and it's May and it's nice. And people are cutting grass and doing things. And I walk out of their house to get in my car and I used to live in this neighborhood, so I know all the neighbors. And one of the neighbors stopped me and said, hey, can you go down the street and check on Joe? And I said, yeah, what's the matter with Joe? Because I knew Joe. And I said, we don't know. He was cutting his grass and he's just not feeling good. Mm -hmm. Well, immediately, I think he's at the right age to be having a heart attack or some cardiac issue cutting grass. And so I walk down and I ring his doorbell and he answers and he has a towel wrapped around his neck. And um, I'm like, hey, I said, um, what's up? I said, Alicia asked me to come down and look at you because I am a practitioner. I, mean, I don't know if the viewers know that, but I am. And I always keep, you know, equipment in my car. And so I go down and I take his blood pressure and it's good. And I take his pulse and it's good. And I'm looking at him and he, he looked okay. I'm thinking, I, so he's like, I'm fine. He goes, I think I just got hot. I think I'm tired. And his wife wasn't home just yet. So about five minutes into assessing him, I'm not seeing anything, but internally, there's just something that wasn't setting right with me. So his wife comes home and she goes, well, what are you doing here? And I told her, and he's like, I'm just going to lay down on the couch. She's going to fix dinner. We're good. You can go ahead and go. Thank you for coming. Right. And Lydia, I stood there and I said, mm, I said, I'll tell you what I said, you guys can either come to the hospital with me or go to the emergency room and I'll follow you. I said, but you need to go over to the ER. And I used to work in the ER. And there, I've never, never, never done that to a neighbor or anybody, right? 
And so they're looking at me and I said, I'm not kidding. And she goes, well, what's my options? I said, I'll call 911 and have an ambulance come here. Never done that. So she's like, okay, okay, fine. We'll go to the emergency room. So I follow him over to the emergency room, walk in. I know the doc that's on duty. He's like, what's up? So I tell him, I assess this guy. I'm not really finding anything, but somebody, something's not setting right, right here. So he sends him for cardiac workup, sends him for a CAT scan. The minute that that guy was, his name was Joe, was brought back into his little cubicle in the ER, I looked at all of his vital signs and I saw everything was completely out of whack. And I went, he was having an aneurysm. And the doctor came running in, said, I've already called Life Flight, started pounding some medications on board for him. He was in surgery within an hour. And that ER doc looked at myself and my friend that was there with me, that was her husband. And she's crying. She goes, I don't know what's happening. And I said, help me get his jewelry off. I said, we've got to get him out of here. The, the, the helicopter's coming to fly him into surgery to the Pittsburgh hospital. And then I drove her to Pittsburgh. Now her husband's already in surgery and they saved his life. He has no residual effect, right? And it all started because the birthday party switched to get me into that neighborhood to be available to help him. Oh and I, I get cold chills. Like he says to me all the time when we see each other, he goes, you were my guardian angel. And I'm like, never before have I said that to somebody and never again since. But it was just the most interesting unfolding of events. And it taught me that when something changes in your life, go with it. It's God. If it's odd, it's God. It's, it's not, you know, this... I always looked at it as a burden. Oh, she's changing the party from Saturday to Tuesday. And that's a burden for me, right? But really it was because God needed me in a certain place at a certain time. Oh my God. I'm so grateful to hear this. This yeah. is giving me those chills that I always get when I hear a, a real God shot like that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You saved their life and it was meant to be. And you knew your, your ego, yourself will run riot. That thing in the, in the front of sort of seems to be driving us most of the time when we're self-centered it was out of the way and you were able to hear you had you had authority you told him with authority what you needed what he needed to do he needed to do and i'll tell you what the emergency room doctor just looked at me and he's like if he wasn't in this hospital if he would have laid down on that couch he would have because there was no there's no coming back from that and he's like, but because he was here and I could administer the meds needed and get him in a copter to Pittsburgh, he has, he, he had a rough three month rehabilitation, but now he has no residual effects. I mean, it's just amazing. And um, he's gone on to be a member of the school board here and do a lot of things for good for people. I love so God, this. this is such a great story. God, I love that story. That's so interesting. It's like, and I remember, and I've told this story once before on another version of our show, but this is that day that I remember my little boy was in bed for a week with a high fever in third grade. And I was thinking about the little boy who died in Texas two days ago, the 11 year old. I just couldn't get over it. And I was, I, I prayed with that peace that passes all understanding for the mother, you know, for the family, what they're going through. And, um, this happened when my son was in third grade 
he was in bed for a week with this high fever. And then the next day he goes back to school and the principal sent a note home saying, little Benjamin Chaw died of a high fever last night, 10 year old in fifth grade. And I just couldn't believe a mother would go through her child dying of a high fever overnight. And I just fell into this, this on my knees in tears, praying for the mother. And I immediately was propelled to get in my car and find her. And I, I didn't know if I could find where she lived because she lived in an apartment building a few blocks away. And you can't get into those, you know, those security buildings. So I just drove and my car drove itself. My car kind of had a mind of its own. And there was a woman on the, on the sidewalk in a robe, just breathing, crying out to the sky. And I pulled up and I got out of my car and I said, are you Benjamin's mother? And she gave me this look and we just ran into each other's arms in the middle of the sidewalk. And I just felt that I was there for her. It was like a guidance, like you had. It was just what was needed that day. For some, and for two hours, I sat with her and comforted her and just talked to her about her son. And then I said something that I didn't know where it came from, of course. Um, our children are on loan to us. We don't know. He's needed back for a bigger purpose. And she used those same words two days later in the funeral. And the whole school came. Wow. And she said, do you think the human angels exist? And I said, we can all be angels for each other if we have, a heart, if we have compassion, if we just reach out beyond our ego or our busyness, like you did that day. And you just take, go with the flow. Like you, there was, it's like your own internal GPS mechanism. You knew you had a, a cancellation, something wasn't going your way and you still did the right thing you were guided by a higher force. I don't think we're always in control. I don't think so either. And for people that are listening, I guess that's um, that's something that I, I would like to discuss about this, like for everyday God shots. How do we, because you said the word busyness, right? And I think that we have become so busy and I keep hearing the scriptures about Martha and Mary. Mm, right. You know, for people that don't know, Martha was the busy sister, but doing good things. I mean, busy, busyness in a good way, preparing the meals and, and having the house ready for, you know, company to come to and, and doing all of those kind of entertaining things. So it wasn't a bad busy, it was a good yeah. busy. But then her sister, when the guests came into the home, sat at the feet of Jesus and listened. Didn't worry about feeding him or running the vacuum or, you know, what am I fixing for dinner? It was just like, I just want to sit and listen, mm -hmm. which is meditation, right? And why is it that meditation, you know, prayer is speaking to God and meditation is listening and why is it that we as a society at whole, at large, have such a difficult time meditating now? Do you have any thoughts on that? Wow, I really do. Too. I think it's the internet. I think social media has gone, hijacked our brains and it's going to take extra strength to resist. And I have a true addiction to it. I have to, I need a program for this or I need to just really get, do the 12 steps on my, on my addiction. Because I always think I, and it's approval seeking, wanting to be liked and all those petty ego reasons for me. But sometimes I just reach out to help others. And when I'm doing that, I can feel whatever I'm writing is helping others. It comes through me in a different way. And then I can walk away from it. But I think we're distracted by 
mortal, I call it, um, we're mesmerized in a weird way by the worldly issues rather than what's important. It's interesting, I had another God shot when I was really angry at my at a family member. And I went through three years of a dark, dark, three years of hell with this one family member, one of my closest siblings. And I felt frightened of her to the point where I thought she was gonna get violent toward me. It was very weird. And I couldn't figure it out. I, I felt so innocent. I was trying to plead my case. How can you see this? How can you think these things about me? She believed some gossip and it was so painful. And I kept trying to prove it on a material level. If I just had walked away from it, there's a great quote I love. Withdraw your attention from your enemies and they expire from neglect. Mm -hmm. So I, I was riled up by some angry moment and I immediately went outside and just walked it off and said, God, show me the highest thought. Give me the highest reaction. How do I respond to this, this terrible thing she just said? And I was going to call her and I was going to say something. And I would have been righteous, you know, self-righteous. I would have been right. But I heard this. I said, I'm going to give her a piece of my mind. And I heard this. Love her to pieces. I heard it loud and clear in my love her to pieces. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, love my enemy. Right now, the only enemy I really have is in my head. And I, I, I did restraint of tongue and pen. I didn't. I love that concept. Don't always react out of your first moment of anger. Don't write them a note or an email. <clears throat> don't call people when you're angry. And I let it sit and I just started loving her. And that started an eight month prayer vigil of loving her. And without ever confronting her, it's all turned around completely, completely right now. I mean, I'm not dealing with some of the issues that I'm still angry about, but I'm really gonna trust the universe, God, love to take care of them for me. Yeah. And I happens and you know bringing up this what you're saying allowing just allowing god to be in control and um on my wall i think i can move this so you can see it um no that says oh here it is wait a minute i gotta go higher i don't know how to do it oh there it is anyway it says be still <laughs> sorry i'm terrible at trying to focus in on things sorry sorry for anybody that's watching this um, but anyway, I have this wall in my office where I keep things that say, be still with God, all things are possible. And um, the be still part. And so the reason I'm even bringing this up is because I, um, I, had a, I, had, I was in a meditation about a week ago. And as I was coming out of the meditation, I felt almost paralyzed. Like I hadn't really gotten anything that I, that I could recall. But I felt almost paralyzed. And I was just sitting there just trying to get back into, you know, my body and back into the way, you know, normalcy. And um, I heard a very quick, be still and know that I'm God, which is Isaiah 46, 10 out of the Bible. And I knew the scripture, right? And then there was a caveat that said, look up the word, be still, look up the word still. And I thought, okay. So I got the dictionary and I looked up the word still. Now, I always thought to be still meant, don't move, be still, right? But when you look at that word and you look it up, it means silent too. Be silent and know that I'm God, which is basically what you just said. Just allow God to come in and talk. And, and we don't have to say much. 
And over the course of the past 10 days, when I've encountered situations that um, I wasn't sure what to say or how to, if I was, what I was gonna say was gonna harm this situation or help it, I didn't know. And that saying would just come in, be still, be still and be silent. And so I would say, I would go, huh, don't know. <laughs> and I didn't say anything. And you know, my life became a lot less chaotic. There wasn't as many fights or, or tension moments or all of that bickering that you can get when you have an opinion. I just had no opinion. I can't hear you. I'm sorry, no opinion. An opinion is mortal, is our petty primitive, I call it the reptilian brain. It's always spewing its ideas. And don't believe every thought you think, by the way, either, because our thoughts will run us. It's like, you don't have to believe every thought that pops into your head. Just the higher thoughts, which are usually focused on love, gratitude, forgiveness. Whenever I have a thought of regret or shame, it's not from source of love, God. It's not from God. The highest thoughts are always gentle and forgiving, and they don't beat me up, and they tell me I'm loved, and, I, and I'm able to love others once I love myself. It's almost like you can't give away what you haven't got, you know? That's why people who are damaged and who really envy the world and envy others, they don't love themselves. They're, they don't think they're worthy and they lash out. You know, when you think about the Columbine murderers and the, the shooters, it's always someone who feels they're, they're a victim and they don't have any self-love at all. Mm -hmm. And we have to work on that because we have to know that we're loved. That's, That's a really cool. important one to work on. But you're right, be still. That's the most important thing. If you're quiet, you'll hear the higher thoughts. You can't do it if you're sitting there having so much, so many other opinions into your in your brain. You know? That's absolutely right. And you mentioned Columbine and a very dear friend of mine won an Emmy for a um, piece that she wrote on Columbine. Oh, wow. oh. Sorry about that. Okay. Um, but a piece that she had written on Columbine and shortly after she, cause she was, um, I don't know if, I don't know what, when somebody writes, if they're called an author or just a journalist or a journalist. Thank you. Journalist. Yeah. yeah. She was, that's, that was her degree and that's what she did. And she spent months like going over the carnage of Columbine and doing it and reading it and reading it and looking at it and looking at it to write this article. And she actually won an Emmy for it. And after she did, all of that that she had looked at and witnessed and read about and, and researched, she closed it down and she's now a minister because she recognized that the important piece is the higher self going mm -hmm. higher. Right. And that this negativity and this destruction and all of the lower stuff that can happen. She said it really took a toll on her and she just needed to get back to a place of happiness, joy, freedom, love, everything that you're talking about. And I think a lot of folks today are really struggling because we've had a rough year, yeah. had a very rough year, all of us. But Einstein even said, with, he, he said, no problem can be solved at the same level it was created on. So I look at it like this. You can't 
you can't fight fire with fire. You can't cure alcoholism with more alcohol and drugs. It's like a replacement patch. You can't cure war with bombs. You can't, for diplomacy, is a, you have to go to a higher solution, either diplomacy in the case of war, because you'll bomb yourself to smithereens, each other to smithereens, if you do tit for tat. You stay at that same level. And you can't, so you have to go to a spiritual solution for everything else. The spiritual is the thought world, the realm of what I call, when you said be still, it really does mean seek the higher answers. There is no answer in fighting your enemy at its level. And that most of our enemies are our own worries and fears, really. So I love what she did by finally, when you look at the problem so deeply, you realize you just get deeper into the problem. And I wrote this comedy line saying, um, a therapist was saying, my therapist was a sister in this movie I wrote. And she says, you have to analyze your problems or they might go away. And I go, exactly. You have to rise above the problem, look away from the problem, but you have to replace it with something more beautiful and actually d depend on this beautiful universe that created all this love and beauty. Zebras, a peacock, a giraffe. I mean, come on. This yeah. is the most abundantly beautiful universe. And we're always looking at the problem and a washed pot never boils. And I've tried it. I actually washed a pot one day and it didn't boil. <laughs> anyway. Never done that, but <laughs> that's awesome. That's really awesome. But yeah, so there's there's a lot. And you know, right now I just I just had this thought run through my head because this evening at 7:30 Eastern Standard Time, I've I've committed myself to doing a Lenten Bible study retreat with a group of um, Franciscan nuns. Oh, how wonderful. I know. And I'm very excited because I'm looking forward to a different dimension, a different outlook. And, you know, when I see nuns, no matter what the situation, they always seem to be smiling and put together because they have trust in a higher source. That's right. They have faith in a higher being, a, a different, like, you know, the universe, whatever you want to say. Yeah. But it's peaceful versus chaotic. And so I'm looking forward to maybe getting some, I don't know, little nuggets, some pearls of wisdom as, I I, as I'm into this. Yeah. Because for anybody that is, um, you know, Catholic and does the Lent thing, mm -hmm. we're, you know, one week into Lent now. And this is when Jesus spent the 40 days in the desert being tempted. And I, I, exactly. So you give up something for Lent. You give up your worry, let's say, right? Well, um, yes. Um, that, yeah. And there was something, because I, I heard this yesterday, and I thought it was very good. Um, Lent. Let's extinguish negative thinking. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's so it. That gives me something to think about, you know, um, let's extinguish negative thinking because as you said, Lydia, going back, everything that happens first starts with a thought, everything. So what we're thinking is what we become. And so what thoughts do you have today? Right? Right. So what we think is what we become. And I've actually had experiences with physical healing through that as well. We'll mm -hmm. talk about that another time, but what a great show. What a, what a, I love these nuggets of wisdom, which we spark within, within each other. And we can explore Wayne Dyer through religion to Catholicism. I love the, what you're doing today with the Franciscan nuns. 
I love the beauty of the church and all the way to science. I mean, I think science proves God. I really believe the unified field is love and is God. Einstein was trying to prove that. Yes, I believe unified that. Unified field theory. Yeah. And so well, I do that this I do hope that this podcast, I mean, my goal at least, and I and I it seems like when we talk, it's the same, but I just want to bring hope. Yeah. I want to bring um, not necessarily a new concept to anybody, but I am so ordinary. There is there is nothing extraordinary about me. You know, we're from West Virginia, daughter of a steel worker, you know, and a homemaker. Um, there, there is nothing that is extra special here. You know, God loves all of us and God uses us. Every single person has a talent and a gift. That's right. And it's just a matter of trying things on for size until you find what's right for you. And if I can bring hope, you know, if there's somebody out there listening right now, it feels down in the dumpster, feels like their world's been turned upside down. Just remember, it's getting ready to be turned right side up. Right. What happens when it goes upside down, it's going right side up, really. We just can't see it yet. And the, and the thing, the only thing I did that day when I was about to attack my, my sibling um, and be angry is that I just took one step back and asked, what's the highest thought I can have? Rather than, I, I wasn't willful about it. I was willing to listen and be still. It takes a tiny movement in the right direction for this door to open. And we don't have to do, it's not hard work. I always say this is the easier, softer way. It's easier and softer and quicker to not meddle in my own business too much and not screw things up, which I always used to do. And I still manage to do. And then I can laugh at myself. I'm always kind of redirected to the right direction because I have an internal GPS that keeps saying, well, try it again. Just go in the right direction this time. We're always... Everything is forgiven and redeemed if we stop beating ourselves up and also marrying ourselves to a past regret or accident. Now you say stuck in the past and we only have today. Right. The past is only to learn from. Yeah, you're not going to change it. And, and you know, I, I don't know. I'm sorry if I keep going to biblical. I biblical. love it. No, I love it. But you know, here's another thing. So, and, and it's just because I guess because we're in Lent and it's the passion, you know, and one of the things that happened there, I mean, Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane and he asked his three closest people with him, watch and pray, watch, stay awake and watch while I go over yonder and pray. And he came back, not once, but twice, and they were sleeping. I mean, that's the humanness in us. We, we're, we know, we try to do good, and then we, we mess it up, right? But those th same three people that fell asleep twice at a very critical point for Jesus's life then they became the pillars of everything mm -hmm. as they went out and talked about it and and God loved them and used them even though they had fall, fallen asleep at a very critical moment and that's what I always say like I fall asleep at critical moments <laughs> <laughs> like what happened at my work it's like Me too. Oh. <laughs> you know? yeah but you're you're such a good person and good heart and that's the only thing that matters we make going to make human mistakes and if you're depressed out there, and if someone's listening and they're depressed and they don't feel have, a, have any hope, just hold on to the next moment and be willing to be still and reach for the highest thought, the God thought. And I love the story of Daniel in the lion's den. When Daniel is not looking at the lions, he's looking up at God and the lions are tame. The problem is tamed. 
when you're looking at the right, when you're lo looking away from the problem and not fighting it, we don't have the capacity to fight all our own battles. Um, for people who are agnostic or atheist, that's fine. It doesn't, all of this is one source of love, but I love the biblical teachings. I love the Bible and I love everything we're learning. I've, I've steepened my study. You know, when I first got sober, I found this magic God and I call it God shots. I call these magical coincidences. And then I started delving deeper into the study. So it's really, it's got, it's all over the place. It, we're, we're living in the ocean of love and God right now. Not a single drop. You know, we have everything we need. It's living water. There's no living outside of God that we have. We're always in it. We're in the ocean, swimming in the love right now, in the health, in the good health, in the wisdom, in the love, in the divine intelligence. But we just don't see it. Sometimes we're so limited in our thinking and we try to drive the ship ourselves. I'm not saying it very well, but. I, I get your point. And, and what's, our, what's our literature say? God could and would if he is sought. Yeah. And I mean, and to be sought, I mean, I used to think that only monks sitting in a tabernacle being so holy could get that, right? And it's not true. It's merely, what is a prayer? It's merely turning a thought up to God. That's it. Right. I mean, turning your wishes to God. Right. And what you said, if somebody is agnostic or atheist and they're watching this, this is not just about God and your way is not wrong or right. There is wrong and right really don't exist. Only the love that you're speaking about exists. You know, well, just tell me your definition of God just for others, because I don't believe in an anthropomorphic, which means man-like being in the sky with a white beard sitting there. I believe in the force of love that permeates every living cell and every creature. I agree. Yeah, it's an easier thought. Mm -hmm. But I bet you know, I, I do agree that there's a Trinity. I mean, I not agree, I'm just saying, I, in my personal opinion, there's a Trinity. But I think what mm -hmm. goes deeper for me is when I came into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, I was highly indoctrinated into religion, which was scaring me because I was so fearful that I had done bad and wrong and could never get on the right side again. And once I came into AA and learned that I got to start over, got to start my day over at any given time, was forgiven, right? And understood that, that when I, when I wreck my tricycle into the ditch, which is basically my life, get it out of the ditch and keep moving. You know, you can't say stuck in the ditch, just get back on the tricycle and go. And eventually you'll graduate to maybe a bike. I don't know, you know, bike with but right now I'm on a tricycle. And, you know, I, I believe in the Trinity. That's just yeah. part of my upbringing. But I got to actually create a God of my understanding because as a child, I was raised under a lot of fear of God. Mm. My grandparents were from the Ukraine. Um, they spoke Russian and Bozhia was going to get me. And that, and that wasn't, they didn't mean to harm me by that statement. It's just that, you know, if you do, if you go out and get drunk, you'll have to answer to God. If you go out and do this, right. you'll have to to God, right? So I had a lot of fear, a ton of fear because I'm blowing right through all those barriers. Yeah, I'm going to get drunk. Yeah, I'm going to smoke. Yeah, I'm going to do all of it, right? And so then I just oh. kind of gave up and I was like, okay, Bozhia's going to get me. What can I say? When you say Bozhia, Bozhia, is that the name for the, for what God. is that? For oh, God. Say it again, Bozhia? Bozhia. 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 Okay. 
And so I grew up with that. So I always had the fear of God. But when I got into AA, they told me that I could create my own God. Mm-hmm. How would you like that God to be? And so I thought, well, he can be like a loving dad. He can have a lot of money. He can, <laughs> just like he can be um, Disneyland, a Disneyland God. Yeah. I mean, just just love me like a like a daughter. And now I've learned, I've learned truly that on this path, I am the daughter of a king. Yeah. Totally. And so that's exciting. That's just so exciting compared to where I used to be and fear all the time, right? Yeah, it does fear. Yes. And it doesn't give me the right to be act above anybody or better than or superior, but it, it just helps me to realize that I am loved. I am worthy. I'm a human being just like you and just like everybody else listening, whether you're atheist, agnostic, Buddhist, it, it just doesn't, Taoist, you know, it Hindu. doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. You know, when I was in the hospital with um, my husband at the time who was having surgery and he was critically ill with cancer. And um, I went to the chapel and I went at the three o'clock hour and I just went to pray because he was in very, I mean, he was bad shape, critical condition. Mm-hmm. And I was praying and I was in there with Muslim that was doing their prayers at the time and afterwards she came up and just gave me this really big hug and then she walked away and that was at that moment in time that I know we're not so different we're very alike no Muslims too exactly right everybody's connected and so if we treat the next person with love and kindness that's what comes back to us and it's just a cycle you know I feel like I was touched by that Beautiful spirit today, just talking to you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you too. I love it. I love doing this every week. Yeah, isn't this fun? We have a lot more to explore. We have thousands. I'm not kidding. You know, we'll start with the first 20, but we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of God shots to share. And we're going to start having you call in and bring us your God shots. Uncanny coincidences that remind, that prove evidence of something deeper going on in the universe. That's a coincidence or is it something deeper? I think it's evidence. I do too. And as always, it's a pleasure seeing you. Nice seeing your face. And um, you look gorgeous, as always. And and, and nice having this wonderful audience out there, wherever you may be. Just know that hugs to you. Yes. And stay safe, stay warm, and just keep your eyes on the good. Love to you and the love. Okay. Thanks, Darlene. Thank you. (laughs) 